last week I spoke about identity in God. And the, the whole theme of this this month is to look at authority in prayer. Um, Sarah preached uh, two weeks ago, a great message online. You can go and listen to that. I spoke last week on looking at our identity. And uh, in relation to God, we get our identity from God. We can't just search for our identity within ourselves. If we search for God and we find God, we understand who he is. We understand who we are in reflection and inside, in, 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 in his image. We're made in his image, but in him, what's the word I was looking for? In his sight. We understand who we are in his sight and how he sees us. Does that make sense? So um, last week I uh, told a story about a lady who lost, uh, whose identity got stolen. And somebody actually um, went and had a baby, and this baby at the hospital was born, and, it, and the baby tested positive for drugs. And what happened is they came to this lady's house whose identity had been stolen. Cut a long story short, they investigated it. They tried to uh, take a children off her because obviously it was a child protection issue. And actually, she didn't have a new baby. The baby was somebody else's, and somebody had stolen her identity. And the way that they found out that that was actually not her child is they did a DNA test. And the DNA test proved that that baby was not her baby, right? I think you'd remember if you'd had a baby, would you not? But um, it wasn't her her baby. And last week, I talked about some DNA that we get from God. I actually gave a little phrase that DNA, my idea of DNA stands for, design, not an accident. Okay? So we are not an accident. Life might throw things at us. We might feel a certain way. We may feel rejected. We may feel disappointed. And whatever we feel, but actually when we go to God... And find out who, who we are in relation to him. And we discover the truth. We can find out who we are in him. Okay? We don't find out who we are on our own. We find out who we are in God. The Bible says about a hundred times who we are in Christ. We can only find who we are in God through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. You want to know if God loves you? Look at Jesus. Okay? Jesus is the example of God himself on earth. So if you're questioning God, if God loves you, always look to Jesus, because Jesus gives us access to the Father's love. And the Holy Spirit empowers us. He sent the Holy Spirit. So we need Jesus to give us access to the Father, and the Father promised the Holy Spirit, and we receive the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a deposit that affirms that we are children of God and we are loved. Now, I talked last week three DNAs. The first one was, see if anybody can shout it out. Chosen, well done. You know, Becky said this morning about taking notes. Apparently, statistically, 95% of what you hear today, you'll forget. You'll only remember about 5% by Wednesday. But if you take a note, apparently you can go over those notes and you got, you're more likely to remember the information that I'm giving you today. Does that make sense? So that's statistically. You may be very good at remembering information. Brilliant, but not everybody is. So the first DNA was we are chosen. And uh, we're chosen, I said from Ephesians 1, 7, that God chose us before everything. He chose us before the creation of the world, okay? So it's not like if I put my hand up or if I I respond to Jesus, I I was chosen, I chose Jesus and he chose me then when I became a Christian or I was chosen from birth. No, you were chosen before birth. You were chosen before the creation of the world. God saw you in him. That's pretty special. Our minds struggle to get our heads around that because we live in time. But God is outside of time, and he saw us before all of this was created in time. So God chose you before everything. Secondly, he chose you because Jesus made you acceptable. 
Wow. That's why I say you can't get anywhere without Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So Jesus makes you acceptable. Therefore, you are chosen by God. You are loved by God. The second thing I said, who can remember the second one? We are exceedingly valuable, okay? You are extremely valuable. You are so much value in your life. Now, you might not think you are. You might not feel you're valuable. And by the way, feelings lie. It's not the truth. Feelings will lie because of your experience, what's gone on in life. That is a feeling based on a thought you have from however you've set that thought up in your life. The truth is, God says you're valuable. Why? Because he's your father and he created you and he loves you, okay? And also, I talked about um, how do we know we're valuable? Another way is this, what somebody is willing to pay for you. If you've got a house and it goes up for sale, how much is your house worth? What somebody was willing to pay for your house. Okay, that's what makes you valuable. What was God willing to pay for you? Jesus, come on, everything. You, I think Julie shared this morning about the widow's mic. Why, why was Jesus so impressed with that? Because Jesus understands what it is to give everything. He understands what it is to put his life on the line. He understands what it is to face death and, and fear and, and worry and anxiety. And all the things we struggle with, Jesus gave his life so he could overcome them for you. Okay, so Jesus knows exactly how you feel right now, whatever you're tempted in, whatever you're going through, whatever, you, whatever doubt, whatever disappointment, whatever, you know, whatever pain you're in right now, Jesus knows exactly how you feel because he was willing to give everything. He's the best one to go to. And so that was we are valuable. The third one is we are forever loved. Now, do we believe that? Not always, do we? Come on, let's be honest. But this is the truth. Why are we forever loved? Because that's who God is. The Bible says God is love. So he can't be anything else if he is love. How do we know we're loved? Because he gave his one and only son for you. That's how you know you're loved. You, you, want, you want a question? Am I loved? I don't know if I'm loved. I don't know if I'm loved. You have to look at the cross. And the cross says it all. That is where we find out we're loved. And when you doubt it or your feelings, whatever, you go to the cross. Two characteristics of God I said. One is his love is unconditional. I think we struggle with this because we have conditional love. Okay, we deal with conditional love. You know when you were at school, somebody wrote you a note at school when you're in like primary year three or whatever it was, and they put, I love you if, or was that just at my school? Do you ever remember those notes? Has anybody ever had one? I'll go out with you if you, right? There's always conditions on the relationship, yeah? We're conditional people. God isn't conditional. He's not like us. His, his love is unconditional. It doesn't come with conditions. Oh, if you stop doing that, I'll love you. If you do that, I'll love you. If you go there four times a week, I'll love you. God doesn't put the conditions in. God just loves you unconditionally. And we struggle with this because of life and what things have done to us. We struggle with the unconditional love of God. God's love is unconditional and is everlasting. So we don't have to fear that it's going to go away. That's why Jesus, when he was with the disciples at the end, they were fearful. And Jesus says this, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Wow. Jesus says, I'll never leave you. Yeah, he goes to the cross and dies, but he never leaves them. Then he sends the Holy Spirit as a deposit in their lives. An everlasting, unconditional God now resides in them. You still with me? So those were three DNAs, briefly. If you want to go and listen online, you can listen online. Um, there was more to it than that. This week, I'm going to give you two more DNAs. Are we ready for two more? Are you feeling enriched as a child of God? 
Right, we're all on a journey, right? We're all struggling with this thing. We're all wrestling with it. But I believe we can discover freedom in God. The third, fourth one is this. We are completely forgiven. How much forgiven? Completely. Totally forgiven. I went to the shop yesterday. and There's someone actually in here today who saw me in the shop. So hopefully you didn't see this experience of me in the shop. But I went to the shop, get some bits and bobs for the week, right? Just a few things. I fill the trolley. Put your pound in the trolley. You get your trolley. You go through. I'm finding the ham. I'm finding the bread. I'm finding something. I can't find that thing. They've run out. And I fill the trolley up. I go to the counter. I've made sure I've got the plastic bags out of the car, out of Sarah's car. Cause I, so I haven't got to buy bags. I'm environmentally. So much to think about nowadays going to shop, Right? And I go in the shop and I feel I've got the trolley fit for. I get to the lady, she puts it all through and she gets, I'm bagging it up and she says, that's 20 pounds, 25 pence. And I go, oh my word. And it's a big queue. Why is it always a big queue? It's not like me on my own now. There's like, everybody's watching me. I'm like, um, I haven't got any money. Okay, have you got that pay thing on your phone? No, I'm not that technologically advanced, duck. I'm going to have to go home and get some money. The shame and embarrassment. She said, just put it over there. And the person who's in here this morning was actually in the shop. I hope you didn't see me. But here's the deal. And I'm like, oh, I'll put it over there. I go to the car. I drive home. I come back down. Got my wallet. I say to Sarah, she says, what are you doing? I walk in the house. What are you doing? I forgot my wallet. I go back out. The shame again. I go to the shop. I give it, uh, pay the money. I said, thank you very much. Get out as quick as I can. And I'm right. You know, I owed somebody some money. Small amount of debt. And the shame and the embarrassment with me having that little money, that little debt, embarrassed me. Can you imagine how people feel that have a debt that isn't been, hasn't been paid? We struggle with this because we all do something wrong, do we not? Who's got a history? Who's got, a, who's got some things they've done wrong in life? Yeah? You say, I haven't. I've been quite a good boy. I can guarantee every one of you in here have done something wrong this week. Who's gone over 30 mile an hour? Come on, put your hand up. Just because you didn't get caught, just because you didn't feel the shame, just because you don't feel guilty, doesn't mean you're not guilty. Are you with me? Don't worry, it gets better in a minute. Right? We're all sinners, do we not? Every one of us falls short. But in the eyes of God, God paid the price for our debt. You know, how much money was he willing to give for your life? Willing to give everything for you. Everything penny he was willing to pay. Every bit of your debt, every wrong you've ever done, every list that you have that you tot up yourself in your mind that says you're not good enough, God says, I've paid for it. How good is he? 1 Peter 2 verse 10 says this, at one time, I read this scripture last week, at one time you did not know God's mercy. But now, Tomorrow, when I've done it, got it right. No, now, now I'm totally forgiven. How are we forgiven? By faith in Christ. 
by works? No, by faith in Christ. That's why sometimes you'll hear Christians say, hold up your shield of faith. What a strange thing it sounds like. Hold up a shield of faith. What are they saying is, when the, when the enemy's doubts come to your mind, you need to operate by faith in Jesus to extinguish the lies of the enemy. In other words, no, you're not totally forgiven. Yes, I am because of Jesus Christ. Yeah, but you're not good enough. See, you, 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 you got that wrong. See how you spoke to that person. Yeah, I did. I'm sorry. But here's the deal. I'm totally forgiven. And I, it takes faith. It takes you saying, I'm going to put my faith in what Jesus Christ did for me. You did not know mercy, but now you have received mercy. I earn the mercy? No, you receive the mercy. I have to do something? No, you receive the mercy. I have to do something to get better? No, you receive the mercy of God. That's the good news. Jesus made it possible. All you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. Say, Jesus, I believe you. You're the word of God. You're the son of God. You've been sent by God. This is the good news. I put my faith in you. Now I'm right with God. Anybody feeling righteous this morning? Do you know what I really struggle with? When people look at people, of the, people that have done amazing things for God and then they call them saints. I really struggle with it because the Bible says we're all saints, not by the good things we do, but by faith in Jesus, we're all made holy. So you're a saint this morning. Look at the person next to you. Look, look how saintly they are. Don't laugh at them. You're sitting in the room of saints. Saint Bartholomew, Saint John, Saint Sarah, Saint Baz. Saint Joy, we're all here this morning. Any saints in the room? Come on. Saint Nicholas, Saint Thomas, Saint, you're standing with Saint Paul. Wow. Not me, the, the Saint Paul who wrote what he wrote. But you're made righteous through faith. You're made not through works, but by faith. It is liberating, is it not? It's liberating knowing that you're totally forgiven. I remember when I came to Jesus, you know, I kind of believed in Jesus as a kid, but I lived my own life and I went my own way and I, and I know I deliberately sinned. I know I rebelled against my parents. I know I was doing things wrong, but I carried on doing it because I thought I knew best. They're just old and they don't understand. They're not cool. Not like this generation. And I went against them. And that sin I carried, and it weighed me down to the point where I had enough. Anybody felt like that? And to the point where he got me to my knees and said, Jesus, I can't do this anymore. You can have this junk of a mess. And Jesus Christ, unconditionally, came into my heart, liberated my heart, made it brand new, healed it. And I went on a journey of beginning to understand some of this stuff. And I'm still on a journey to understand that I'm totally forgiven. Amen. It's not by works. It's by faith that you are forgiven. Romans 8 verse 1. If you've been in church a long time, you'll know this scripture. There is now. When? Now. Tomorrow? Now. I think I should do a message on the now scriptures. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. That's like none. None. No more condemning. You know when something's condemned, don't you? Usually, we often hear about boilers that are condemned. 
The gas man comes around, he looks at the boiler, or the gas woman, and look at the boiler, and they put a thing in, and the thing comes out, and they go, it's too much stuff that's coming out that that shouldn't be out, and they go, your boiler's condemned. And you're like, oh, we're going to eat my house up. Start doing some exercise, that'll warm you up. No. But here's the deal. They come around and they say, what's coming out of it is condemned. Or the gas fire. Or electric fire, you've probably got now, but gas fire. They look at it, the stuff that's coming out of it, they test it, you go, what's coming out of it? What is it? It's condemned. Now, I'll ask you a question this morning that came to me. What's coming out of your mouth? Is what comes out of your mouth condemning you? Are you saying you're not good enough? Are you saying I'm inadequate? Because if it is, it will condemn, you are self-condemning yourself. God's mouth is not condemning you. His word says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So who condemns us? Us. Our own hearts, our own thoughts, life, experiences. We condemn ourselves and put ourselves down. Not God. If you are condemning yourself, it is not God. Because God says this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let the word of God saturate your mind. May it saturate your heart that says, I am a child of God. I'm going to hold up my shield of faith. I have a breastplate, the Bible says. In Ephesians, Paul talks about the armor of God as an illustration. He puts a breastplate over the heart. It's called the breastplate of righteousness. And it's not done by what you do. It's done by what Jesus put over you, puts over you. It's called his breastplate of righteousness. So when you stand before God now, God sees his righteousness. He said, I am, I am now righteous because of Jesus. Wow. Wow. No condemnation in Christ. In me, yeah. But in Christ, none. Is anybody excited? Or is it just me? There's no condemnation in God. I can't, we could spend all day on that. What comes out of God's mouth I put down? Not condemnation. God loves us unconditionally. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says this. It is not rude. This is talking about Paul writing about love and the motivation that we need to have. The way we live our lives. It says, I, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. So love keeps no records of wrong. The Bible says that God is love. So God keeps no records of wrongs. Are you hearing that? Yeah, but I've done something wrong. Yeah, but God keeps no record of it. So who keeps the record of it? We do. Bible says he's far as the east to the west. Your sins have been forgiven. Woohoo! God's not keeping any record of my wrong. It is right. It's true. This is the truth. Do you believe the truth? So here's, here's what do we do, right? What do we focus on? Do I focus on my sin and my wrong? Or do I focus on the word of God and the truth? Because God offers total forgiveness. So am I going to focus on God's forgiveness or am I going to focus on sin or my feelings? Because if you want to break free from that, you're going to have to focus on the truth. And the truth is you're totally forgiven in God. So you decide what you focus on. You decide what you listen to. 
God's word or my own flesh or my past or other people or what the world says, the media says, I'm not good enough, I'm not attractive enough, what am I listening to? I am totally forgiven and accepted in God. What are you listening to? Are you listening to the shepherd's voice to guide you or are you listening to the world's voice? By the way, your attractiveness, as beautiful as you are, it's going to fade. It's already fading. Oh, you're getting, sorry, sorry, sorry. You're getting less attractive each day. Each day, it's getting a little bit more wrinkly. Oh my word, I'm getting look in the mirror. I'll listen to what the world says. No, no, no. Each day, I get more and more glorious in God. Wow. Yeah, but my body's fading. Yeah, but I'm getting more and more glorious in the Lord. I'm getting more and more bountiful in Him. Aren't we, John? Amen. Because my beauty is not defined by the world. It's not defined by my body. It's defined of who I am in the image of God. And I am loved by God. He paid everything for me. I'm totally forgiven and accepted. That's the truth. Where are you getting your beauty from? Come on, Jesus loves you. Focus on his forgiveness, not on your sin. You won't get anywhere going around your sin. Oh, you will in the forgiveness of God. Second thing about forgiveness, it is because it is God's nature that we're totally forgiven. It's who he is. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I am the God who forgives your sins. This is the Old Testament prophet writing. Before Jesus even came to forgive us our sins, speaking forward of who God is. I am the God who forgives your sins. And I do this because this is who I am. I will not hold your sins against you. How good's that? Is anybody excited about that? Is it just me? God's not holding my sin against me. Why? Because it's who he is. You know, anybody who's grown up and, you know, you've had kind of half-decent parents. Parents aren't, by the way, parents aren't perfect. None of us are. And sometimes I think that's what causes the problems in our lives. But here's the deal. Any parent who loves their child, they do something wrong. They're not going to hold it against them. You don't want your child to live and you to hold on to something. No, you want to forgive them. Is it easy sometimes? No. But you want to forgive them so that they can be released from that. It's the very nature of God is to forgive. It's who he is. And why do we struggle? Because we hold on to the hurt. We hold on to the disappointment. We get angry because we don't get what maybe we thought we should get. I've got a quote here from Paul Lewis. He says this, Forgiveness, I haven't got it up on the screen, forgiveness does not change the past. You never, you're always going to have a memory of it. You've always got a memory of something that went on. People say, oh, you can just get rid of that memory. No, you can't. Not even God can change your past. Forgiveness does not change the past, but it does enlarge the future. Wow. How big do you want your future? Who wants a big future? God wants you to have a big future. He wants you to have eternity. That's why he forgave you. 
If you want your future to be big and expansive and you're able to love and accept people, then you have to let go of hurt and pain and disappointment because that will hold on to you. It will, it will always get you focused on the past and, and that in itself is not good for your soul. You need to focus on where God is taking you. Focus on his forgiveness. So we're totally forgiven. Are we in agreement? Amen. The fifth one. Are we ready for this one? We are fully capable. (laughs) Some of you believe it. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says this. You are a royal priest. So today you've been called a saint. And now you're called a priest. Chosen to tell about the wonderful acts of God who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You're a priest. Most people think the person who's the priest is the vicar. He's the one who hears from God. And he comes and brings the message from God to the people. That isn't kind of New Testament. My job is to help you, to equip you, to fully, you fully to be who God has called you to be, right? I have a calling on my life to do things to help you to become what you are supposed to become, okay? So I am a priest just like you. So what did the priest do in the Old Testament? The priest in the Old, Old Testament, he went into the tabernacle or the, where God's presence was, and he would take problems from the people to God, And he would receive from God and take from God to the people. Does that make sense? Now, so what does that mean, New Testament, for you? It means this. You now have access to God through Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus was the great high priest who went into the temple to offer a sacrifice. His blood was offered so that you could enter now in to where God's presence is. God's presence now isn't remained in the temple, but God's presence now is coming to earth and landing in you. You are the temple. So now you have access to God's presence. Why? So that you can take the presence to the people. That's it. You can come to the presence with, for your problems, Jesus, I'm struggling. Jesus, I'm on you. Jesus, I'm seeking you. Jesus, I want you daily. Jesus, I want to follow your spirit. Jesus, I want to know the truth. Jesus, I'm after you. But that isn't there just for you as a consumer. That is there for you now to be a contributor and empowered to take that into the world. Are you getting it? But if you don't realize who you are in God, you don't think you can go into the presence. You don't think you can receive the presence because you're not good enough. Well, that's a lie because Jesus made you good enough. Jesus said, you are my child now. I love you. I've made you acceptable through my blood, not through your works. Now come, let, 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 let your body receive God's grace for your life so that you can be empowered Surrender your life. Let go of your own, in your own strength and allow God to empower you and build you and equip you as a priest of God. Sent to wherever you work. Wow. So tomorrow, you're the local priest. You didn't realize that, some of you, did you? You're the lo- we, we've got about 200 local priests in this room that are going to be sent out to wherever you work to administer the grace of God, to administer the kindness of God, so that people go, 
Why did they do that? Why did they walk in light when they could have walked in darkness? Well, let me tell you about the wonder in my life, what Jesus Christ has done. Jesus has set me free. Jesus has forgiven me. Jesus has done. I just love Jesus. And can I introduce you to this light that wants to talk to you? His name's Jesus. Are you getting it? Tomorrow morning, you're a local priest. You're a local priest. I'm not sure if I can be a priest. Well, God says you are a priest. If you're a child of God, you are now a priest. The presence of God is now accessible to you, and you're a carrier of the presence of God, and then you take the presence of God wherever you go. I'm not sure I want to be a priest. (laughs) I was happy not being the priest and let him be the priest. I'll go to him and get his wisdom and ask him for it. No, God says, come to me. I'm trying to get you to grow in the authority of who you are in your prayer life so you realize, oh, I've got access. There's nothing better than having access and learning something from God personally. It changes your life. Now, does God use people? Absolutely. But the best I've realized is when God speaks to me in that still, small voice and he changes my heart. And he says something simple like, Paul, do you know how clever you are? And I want me. Me? Clever? Yes, Paul, you're clever in me. You can do it. Do I feel good enough? No. But what does God say about me? (laughs) He says, you're a royal priest. You're a royal priest, Paul. Come into my presence. Let me administer, minister to you and love you and send you out. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5 to 6 says this. The capacity we have comes from God. It is he who made us capable of serving this new covenant. It's God that gives you the capacity to love. It's God that now gives you the capacity to accept people and not judge them. It's God that gives you the capacity to, to, to choose people and see them through the cross. Not through our own strength, but accept sinners like God accepted me. It's God that gives you the capacity to do it. That's why we like this scripture from Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do Let's read it all together. Let's put we. Ready? And us. We can do all things through. Sorry, I'm reading a different version, aren't I? We can do all this through him who gives all. We can do it, church. Come on, we can administer the new covenants. We can connect with people. We can forgive people. We can model what Jesus wanted us to do, but it's God who makes you capable. Wow. I read a story once of a, of a guy who was a great preacher, reaching all around America and the world and doing phenomenally well, great ministry, seeing people's lives changed. And this really helped me. Because he said in it, he'd got this issue he was struggling with. He'd preach, he'd do amazing things, but he'd often feel that there was something that made him feel inadequate or not quite something missing. Does that make sense? And he asked the guy if he'd kind of spend some time counseling him. So he went to see him. And this guy is a well-known counselor with people that are preaching around the world. He's worked with them. One of the best counselors in America. And he went and saw him, and he sat down with him, he talked to him, he told him how he felt, and he said, well, 
He said, the very issue that you have, he says, you need to understand something. If you try and eradicate that issue out of your life, you're going to have an issue. He says, what do you mean? He says, it's called dependency. He says, what do you mean? I don't understand you. He says, the very reason you have that issue, it means you need to be dependent on somebody else rather than yourself. He's like, well, I want to get rid of it. He says, no, if you get rid of it, you'll never need God in your life. You see, we often think I've got to get rid of every problem in my life. I'll I'll just master this thing and realize this and we'll be okay. God's caused us to have weakness. And in our weakness, it causes us to lean on a God who offers so much grace and empowerment for our lives that he will equip us in our inadequacy. It's called grace. Ah, I shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, it's grace. How do you lead the church? Grace. Grace, Paul. Yeah, but I don't feel good enough. You're not, you're not supposed to feel. You're dependent on me, Paul. That's why Paul, when he writes in the New Testament, he's talking about getting this kind of thorn in his flesh out. He's saying, get rid of it. I've had enough of it. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because my power is perfected in weakness. How good's that? Is there any weakness in here this morning? No, I'm all right, brother. No, you're not. Come on, let's get vulnerable. Any weakness in here this morning? Any inadequacy? Any shame? Any, anything you're struggling with? We're all struggling with. Thank God for his forgiveness. Thank God for his empowerment that he wants to empower you in your inadequacy and your weakness and come into you so that you'll look back and go, I'm not the same person anymore because God's grace has done it in my life. He gets the glory, not me. Are you hearing it? The capacity we have comes from God. It is he who made us capable of serving this new covenant, the covenant of love. We've all got insecurities. We've all got struggles. You're never going to get there completely until the day you die and you're with Jesus in his presence and you're made complete in him. You're always going to have something to wrestle with. You're always going to be losing some beauty. I still love you. But God is doing a work in your life. Amen? You know, are you going to listen to the media? Are you going to listen to your peers? Are you going to listen to what the world says? The world's view? Are you going to listen to your father? What are we going to listen to? This is prayer. What am I going to listen to? What am I going to spend time thinking about and meditating? Am I going to believe the word of God, the truth of God? Or am I going to believe what myself says at times and I get it wrong? Am I going to believe what somebody else says or a job says or whatever says? Or am I going to believe, make a choice to believe and devote myself to what God says about me? You see, tomorrow you'll probably forget some of this. But if you are committed to Jesus and committed to the word of God, committed to believing what he says about you, it takes commitment and it takes devotion. That's called discipleship. It doesn't just happen. You have to say, I'm going to choose to commit myself to discover what God has already done for me. I'm not trying to achieve it by doing. I'm actually receiving it by seeking him and finding him and discover what God has already done for me. 
But if you don't spend time looking, if you don't spend time training your mind to think on the truth, you'll soon get lost in something else and forget who you are as a child of God. It's your choice to decide, I'm going to be committed to Jesus and what he says about me. Are you still with me this morning? So you're totally forgiven. Totally forgiven. Sometimes you have to tell yourself, soul, you are totally forgiven. Get in line. It's what David did. Soul, why are you so downcast? Luke to Jesus. Come on, soul. I'm in charge of you. You're not in charge of me. I'm in charge of this body. The body's not in charge of me. Come on, who's telling this thing? Who's leading this thing? Is God leading it or am I leading it? God is leading me. Father is leading me. The Holy Spirit is empowering me. So body, you need to be quiet. Inadequacy, shut up because there's somebody who loves me anyway. There's somebody who's called me. By the way, called, something just, Adam. We like that word called. We're all called, yeah? It's where we get the word vocal to call. It's where you get your, your, your job, your vocation. It's where you're called to, what, you can, what sound you can make, what difference you can make, wherever you are. Your vocation could be your job. Your vocation could be your family. All of those things is where you are called. You are vocalizing. You are making a noise where you're at. This week, that's where you are. Your vocation is your life. We're going to read a prayer together. Is that okay? I thought it'd be good to finish with a prayer and all join in together. Um, it's some of these truths that I've gone over last week and this week. And it's helping us to understand what Jesus has done at the cross. He's reversed the curse. Okay? So if you've been cursed in any way by something that you think and you're, you're telling yourself something different, you can come to Jesus and you can choose to reverse the curse. Anybody want any curses reversed? Maybe some of us like the curse, we're actually in reverse. Oh, like I'll stay back here. No, no, no. Let's go forward. Let's put it in first gear. Let's stop reversing back to that stuff. Let's go this way and focus on the forgiveness of God and the grace of God. So we're going to read something. There's a couple of things in here. It talks about mistakes are not our identity. Failures are not my identity. Beauty and attraction are not my identity. We're going to read a prayer together. Is this okay? I just encourage you to. It's about your relationship with Jesus. It's about the Holy Spirit working in your life. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, but he's also the revealer of truth. That's his job, to bring truth into your life, to show you who you really are. It's the Holy Spirit's job. And he is a gentleman. He is a, he is a caring, uh, like Jesus. He is a carer. He is a lover of your soul. He's not going to hurt you. You have to trust the Holy Spirit to lead you into truth. So open your heart and say, Jesus... I want to know who I am. Jesus, I want to know who you really are and what you did for me. And it's your choice. I can tell you, but it's your choice to receive Jesus in all areas of your life. You want healing? Jesus is your healer. You want forgiveness? Jesus is your forgiver.
You want to deal with your shame? Jesus paid for it on the cross. Let him reverse the curse today through accepting Jesus and let the Holy Spirit reveal truth in your life. So are we ready to read a prayer? Okay. Can we have the prayer up? Have we got it up? Here we go. I'll just let you read it for a second to yourself and then we'll read it together. I just want to put the next page on. And the next one. go back to the first slide if you listen online I'm going to read them out now so you can all hear them are we ready to read this together you know it says it's impossible to please God without faith so you can read these things but it has to you have to activate faith and the Bible says you've been given faith you've been given a measure of faith So if you're doing this, you're not talking to the pastor. You're talking to the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit, who is available for you today. Do it by faith in relationship to Jesus and what Jesus has done in your life. And believe that Jesus hears you. Don't doubt it when you do this. Jesus hears your prayer. Amen? And he is responding to you and guiding you and leading you from this place. Some things might happen today. Some things might happen tomorrow. Some things might happen a month's time and you forgot I actually prayed that prayer and Jesus heard me and responded to me. It's a journey, is it not? So if nothing happens today, don't be disappointed. Don't discard it and go, nothing happened. I didn't feel anything. No, no, no. It's a journey. Jesus has heard you. You hold on to these truths. He will work through your life and he will guarantee he is faithful and he will fulfill his promises in your life if you hold on to this truth. Amen? Are we ready? Okay. Thank you, Father, that you can heal broken hearts, damage self-esteem, and you can restore stolen ID. Thank you that these curses can be reversed. Amen? Come on, do you believe that? Jesus, help me to see mistakes are not my identity. Failures are not my identity. Beauty attraction are not my identity. Jesus, help me to see the way God sees me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Jesus, I accept your love. May the truth set me free. Because of Jesus, I am completely accepted. I am exceedingly valuable. I am forever loved. I am completely forgiven. And I am fully capable because of Jesus. Amen. You know, the Bible says that Jesus, Jesus has overcome. He's the lion. He's given us the victory. And he wants to give you the victory over these things. Not just for yourself, so that you can be a witness of the power of God in your life.
How have you overcome that? Jesus. Because Jesus tells me who I am. And Jesus died for me. It was a painful death. It wasn't just a transaction at the bank, give you the money, there you go. It was this very blood. You know, the blood of Jesus is the most powerful thing that you can come across. It's full of holiness. Everything is fearful. Every demon flees at the name of Jesus, but the blood of Jesus. Why? Because it washes every sin. Everything that's in our life that's no good, the blood of Jesus washes you. Iron Man's got some power, Spider-Man's got some power, but Jesus has got greater power. He is the saviour of the world and he wants to raise you from the dead and give you eternal life. If you don't know Jesus this morning, there's a group of people over here, they're going to be praying for people. Can I encourage you? Come forward and, and talk to somebody. They'd love to introduce you to Jesus. If you're with somebody and you're not comfortable, speak to somebody you've come with. Don't go away from here not responding to the gospel, the good news of Jesus that he offers you. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a round of applause. Let's get the band up.